Welcome to Sports Best, presented by Reposted, the only sports show in the galaxy that focuses on the best. He is the one and only Andrew Keller. I am Larry Roberts. People have been asking me, Andrew, why we're qualified to host the show about Sports Best, and I feel tempted at times to pull out my resume. You know, you know why we're qualified, Andrew? Because we have killer smiles and we make people happy. Well, you have a killer smile. I don't really bring anything other than that nobody else is doing a sports best show. So that's why we do the sports best show. Huh? How about that? We looked around and we said, hey, nobody's doing that. Let's start. And we'll be the first. So here's the beautiful thing about this. If you have an idea about what sports bets is, maybe your third grade volleyball player is the sports best. If you would like to tell us about your sports best, how could they do that, Andrew? Yeah, you can check us out at repostedpodcast.com slash sportsbest and shoot us an email and um, we will get your sports best on our next episode. Don't we have a TikTok account? Could someone do a dance that way too? Yeah, if you do a dance, we'll get uh, Larry to <laughs> learn it and re-perform it to you. All right, before we get going today's show, just about the only real sport that is going on in the world right now other than like sumo wrestling in Japan and camel racing in Beirut and professional chess in Russia. I guess those are sports. But anyways, the real, only real sport is Korean baseball. The KBO professional baseball season opened this week. It's a 10-team league that started playing games on Monday. Well, I don't know what they're saying, but uh, that sounds like a good time. I'm hooked for the rest of the season. All right, so let's give a little context to Korean baseball, Andrew, when you tune in. Because, by the way, I don't know if you heard this, Andrew, ESPN is airing Korean baseball games at 1.30 in the morning every single day. Yeah, I got to change my sleep schedule. <laughs> All right, so let's just a little context. So if you do wake up like Andrew and want to watch the Dosen Bears enter the 2020 season as the defending champs, I know you're big fans of the Dosen Bears, Andrew. Yeah, they're great. The Kia Tigers are considered the New York Yankees of the KBO because, like, everybody knows about them. I guess they've won the most, and they got the biggest TV rating. So everybody knows about the Kia Tigers. Mm -hmm. A couple of rules. There's 10 teams. The games can end in a tie in Korea, and there will be no fans in attendance because, I don't know if you know this, we're in a worldwide pandemic. Okay. I wonder if Donovan McNabb knows that he can end in a tie. (laughs) That's a great inside baseball reference. You know, most sports around the world end in ties, except for in America, but that's another thing. So mm. I guess we won't be watching any overtime baseball games. Who are you going to be rooting for during this? I thought that it would be a good idea that we would maybe pick a team, and then from time to time on the show, we would see how our Korean baseball teams are doing. So, okay. Andrew, good question. I'm going to be rooting for the KT Wiz, and my favorite player is going to be Kang Bak Ho. There you go. Oh, okay. I feel like that might have been uh... – a choice based on phonetics and your um, <laughs> desire to say that often. I got to tell you, I've been a huge fan of the LG Twins. Ever since I found out there's going to be something on t- what to watch on TV, I just jumped on their bandwagon. And it looks like early reports are comparing these Twins to the pre-04 Red Sox. And I'm <laughs> crossing my fingers that if they play their cards right, we might be looking at a bloody sock game in the playoffs. Their ace pitcher, Casey Kelly, was okay. a first-round draft pick from the Red Sox. I think he's the front-runner to uh, be the next Kurt Schilling of the league. And who knows, <laughs> maybe if they win the entire thing, I'll swap my iPhone out for an LG. Is that, that was my question. What is LG? Is it like after the phone maker? Yeah. It seems like a lot of these teams are um, sponsored by uh, phone companies. Like, that, let's like they're saying instead of the Dodgers, it's like the Dodge 
<laughs> L.A. Dodges. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, I think that's, once again, I think that's common around the world to, like, name them after companies. But America, we just, like, buck the trend. We don't do the – you can't be called the uh, Firestone, you know, twins or whatever it is. Yeah. I want to hear the pitch to Jerry Jones about putting T-Mobile instead of Cowboys on the jersey. <laughs> well, the only thing about that is that I think Jerry speaks green, so he might actually be willing to do it. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's always looking to make an extra buck. <laughs> okay, so you got the LG Twins, and I'm going to be rooting for the KT Wiz. Maybe we'll put a small wager on this eventually. I like that. Ooh, our I team like, finishes uh, higher. I feel the last time we had a wager, I, uh, I got full control of your Facebook profile for a week, <laughs> and that was, that was quite a treat for me, I got to tell you. Andrew, that's sort of how things go when we do wager. I don't seem to do fair super well whenever we do have wagers. <laughs> yeah, well, let's make a bet. Let's do man back rubs. Like the person has to give a man rub to the other person. All right, I'm in. <laughs> we'll we'll right. live stream that on TikTok. <laughs> what a world we live in, Andrew, with no sports. But the NFL seems to be just humming along. They held their draft, which nobody said they should do. And now mm -hmm. the NFL schedule is out. And they're actually telling us how we're going to enter NFL games. Yeah, it looks like they're gearing up in full speed for this fall. I mean, they're the most profitable sport in the U.S., and they've already discussed maybe if not starting on schedule, there's contingency plans to possibly push it back to October. Apparently teams like the Dolphins are already figuring out the ways to implement the games. They're, they're coming out with a plan where they can house about 15,000 fans. Their stadium, for reference, can have 65,000, so it's far less. But the way they would do that would be similar to the model of like the grocery store or takeout food where they put colored dots on the floor and get people to line up. Also in the mix is a system where your rows are released one at a time. And so as the game would be over, an usher would come and release the people so you wouldn't have as much uh, crowding. But I got to tell you, as someone who's worried about traffic, I would have a ton of anxiety about worrying when I can leave because if I'm in the last row released, I don't want to sit in traffic. You know, that's sort of my thing. Like, I hate going to the grocery store at this particular point because I don't want to yeah. wait to get in. I don't know if I'm where I'm supposed to stand. Da, 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 da. Like, yeah. it, but I have to go to the grocery store because I can get food. But they're going to make me do that on the way to a, a football game. There is no way I'm going to a football game. And if you want to give a high five to someone next to you, what are you going to do? I, well, I guess, you know, I'm not like a super hardcore. I mean, I like sports, but I'm not like a diehard, you know, Patriots fan. You're a Colorado Buffalo fan, hardcore. Mm -hmm. Like, would mm -hmm. you wait? You, you already said you don't want to wait to be let out of a game. But would you be willing to wait and take a 10-hour day to go to a Buffalo's game? I think probably of any other team, I would do that. Uh, no other sport, I think I would. There's something about me that is visceral where Colorado football just gets me every time. So that's, that's my thought is like, I'm thinking there's no way I'm going to a sporting event. But mm -hmm. there are people that are fanatical that are surely going to wait four hours to get into a game, stay in a game for three hours, and then wait four hours to get out. There's yeah. going to be people that do this. Well, I mean, you're just a 5'10 guy from Whittier. I mean, if you look at the rest of the country, the people in the middle of the country are, are willing to do anything. A lot of people spend their entire salary paying for their season tickets to games. And I think people are going to show up more than we think. The one caveat that I would say, Andrew, is that, you know, potentially you could die and get the coronavirus if you go to a game. I agree with you, but <laughs> I know a lot of people that uh, are going to... Worth the risk. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if more teams, you mentioned Miami, more teams, because, you know, L.A.'s got the big new fancy stadium, $6 billion stadium in L.A., mm -hmm. and it's going to open the season. So I'm assuming they want people to go to the stadium, but the mayor said 
nobody's going to sporting events. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the LA stadium. Are the char- are the Chargers supposed to be playing in the new LA stadium? Are they Chargers, at the same time? I, I love that you correct me. It's the Chargers and um, the Rams. So yes, the both yeah. be sharing that stadium. That stadium is interesting. I, they had to lower it 10 stories below grade because it's in the flight path of LAX. And so they had to dig 10 stories down just to squeeze it in. And you being an engineer and all, I'm sure that's probably pretty easy to do. Yeah, it's just, you just take a hole, you just take a <laughs> shovel, and you have a hole, it's fine. Just, they just drop it in. It's, it doesn't change anything structurally. Structurally. All right, so we'll talk about, well, we'll see how the NFL does it if people actually go to games this season. Andrew, yeah. I love, I love, 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 love me a good old guy story. And we have mm. one this week. Frank Gore yes. is going to play another year in the NFL. How old do you think Frank Gore is? I'd say in running back years, he's 41. Yeah. 40, no, he's like 48. In running back years, he's actually 96. Okay. In reality. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing the prep sheet. It's 96. That's right. <laughs> in reality, he is 36. He's going to turn 37 this month. He signed a one-year contract to play with the New York football Jets. I love that I call it old guy. He's only 37. Nevertheless, yeah. this is going to be his 16th season in the NFL. Do you know where he ranks on the all-time rushing list? Um, well, as a Cowboys fan, I know Emmett Smith is number one. Correct. Walt, Walter Payton is number two. So Sweetness. He's probably third or fourth. He is third on the all-time rushing list. Wow. The funny thing is most people, I mean, who's Frank Gore, right? He never, right. you know, everybody knows Emmett Smith. Everybody knows Walter Payton. Like, do people know right. who Frank Gore is? I think probably not really. He's just, to me, he's just like a bowling ball, like utility guy who, it's surprising that he's been able to like his body has withstood this so long. It's, I mean, Tom Brady or Drew Brees, these guys have been in the league for a long time, but they're, they're not getting hit every time they touch the ball. This guy is guaranteed to get smashed every time he touched the ball. And I think that's crazy that he has that longevity. So this is unsubstantiated, but I've heard that the reason Frank has been able to last this long is because he drinks coconut oil every day. Oh. Once again, that's unsubstantiated. I just, I mean, I just, my sources told me. <laughs> All right. Here's the cool part about Frank. If he can hold out a couple more years and play in the NFL, he might be able to play with his son. His son is now a freshman on the Southern Mississippi football team. And theoretically, if we left early, there could be like the first ever father-son uh, duo in uh, running backs. That's crazy. I would think that would be possible with a kicker, but yeah, if you, that's nuts. I hope he does it. I hope he does it. I hope we, uh, a sports best 2022 talks about Frank Gore rushing against his son what i always say old guys rule andrew so by now most everyone's heard the story about tom brady accidentally walking into the wrong house when he was trying to go meet his coach but i think you might appreciate this story Apparently, Tom Brady's team has filed paperwork to trademark TBTB for playing at Tampa Bay, and he's Tom Brady. Also, they've trademarked Tampa Brady and <laughs> Tampa Bay. I think, I think those are really clever, but it kind of feels like low-hanging fruit to me. What I think is really great is apparently now that they have Gronkowski, that's getting in on the action. There are currently two active trademark applications for, get this, Tampa Bay Gronkineers. 
And so whether or not these go through, I think the overall creativity that just exists in the world is amazing to me. They were filed by two private citizens. One guy was trying to trademark it so he could get his fantasy football team to be the only one to use that. Another guy is trying to license it for merchandise. I think the the Buccaneers are going to crack down on that. But the the Gronkineers, Gronk is such a good last name to to make words with. Okay, so I feel like something that just went underreported by you is that one of the reasons someone put this patent is so that he could be the only person to have that for his fantasy league team. Yeah. I like that someone would take, would go to such lengths to be like, nobody else can use this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I, uh, if, if my next company goes public and I become a billionaire, I might try to buy a franchise and have it. where just, I'm the only one that can use that, that name in my uh, fantasy team. And just like not license anything out. So here's the thing. You're an entrepreneurial type person. Is it hard to, to trademark something? Like, is this a big deal? Does it cost a lot of money? I think it depends on the level of the optics it's getting. Now that this is getting reporting on, this isn't going to go through. But a lot of it is just paperwork and your willingness to put in the legwork to get it done. There's a fee. You trademark it. You file paperwork. And then, and then you're out. So but um, like, let's say this guy got whatever the, the um, fantasy guy was yeah, Gronkowski or whatever team he wanted. Like, is the that really, the Gronkineers? Is it really true that like if I use that as my fantasy team, like he he could sue me? Yeah, cease and desist, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> just the, I would is... I would do it just to get the cease and desist letter. <laughs> I mean, just the legal fees to monitor that are absurd. So um... that's that's exactly it. the legal fees to monitor. You know that the famous case is that guy who says we're going to get sued because I'm going to say it, but let's get ready to rumble. Uh huh. Like that guy, you can't say that without paying that guy, whoever owns that money. Mm, yeah. But how he monitors that. I don't know. I think it, they, they have an algorithm and uh, they just, they're just scanning us there. There's really an algorithm that could detect on the internet. If someone says that, and then you get a cease and desist. I think he trademarked the way he says it. It's like melodic. I know Twitch has an algorithm that if you play trademarked music, it'll just stop your Twitch feed. Wow. Okay. You know what? I feel like the, the robots are getting smarter. We're all screwed, Andrew. Yeah. Well, LG, LG twins. They're, they're <laughs> listening. And they're they're going to win. All right, Andrew. I don't know if you know this, but there are currently no baseball games being played in America. I don't all right. Know. Maybe you're familiar with that. So what did baseball teams do with all the peanuts and hot dogs they were going to sell? I don't know. They, uh, I, I don't know. Okay. Well, Sports Illustrated says in, in an MLB season, like a normal season, fans typically consume where, somewhere around 18 million hot dogs and wow. four to seven million bags of peanuts. Wow. I can account for maybe me and my boys, maybe like 15 of those, and then mm -hmm. maybe like 10 bags of peanuts. Mm -hmm. But never. <laughs> do you eat peanuts when you go to games? Uh, I have sunflower seeds. Oh, look at you. That's yeah. Well, do peanuts. You, yeah, go ahead. How do you eat sunflower seeds? Do you put like a handful in your mouth? You do one at a time? I think that's controversial. Okay. I, I don't mean to judge people, but if you're a type oh. of person to put one sunflower seed in your mouth at the same time, you probably use a knife and a fork to cut your pizza. I'm just saying. That's what it seems like. You might also have someone in your basement and you're lowering down a bucket to have them put the lotion on the skin if you're doing that. I, I, I am judging. I'm not afraid to judge. That's weird. Well, but also this day and age where we can't touch our face or whatever, like you right. gotta just be popping the bag in your mouth and going for it, right? Yeah. 
you don't have time to do one at a time. Just eat the sunflower seeds. Come on. If, if you're doing it one at a time, you don't like sunflower seeds to begin with. I think you're just, I don't know, killing time or something. So is a sunflower seed and peanut market just like toasted? What are they doing with all this stuff? <laughs> well, here's the deal. Peanuts. Yeah, thank you. Toasted peanuts. Peanuts are specifically harvested in time for the baseball season with 25% of the crops being sold just to baseball stadiums. Well, wow. here's the good news, Andrew. The peanuts have been repurposed. Hmm. Oh. Yes, demand for peanut butter is off the charts during the lockdown. 175% boost year-over-year sales for just peanut butter. I'm sure you're stocked up. Wow. Yeah, I got some crunchy. Um, I thought you were going to be one of those fancy people who only uses almond butter, but okay. Um, no. Also, hot dogs are on the rise as well. Grocery sales have been doubled since people have been locked down during the health crisis. People so, are stocking up. People are stocking up, and that's the good and bad news, right? We won't be able to go to a baseball game, but I can yeah. walk into a store and get peanut butter, and I can go get some hot dogs at the store. That's good and bad news for the U.S. Have you heard, though, that in Belgium, they're uh, dealing with a crisis of extra French fries? What? They have, they have their about 5,000 French fry carts are shut down right now, and the national potato industry is calling for the population at large to do its part by eating fries more often. Apparently, the demand has nosedived. They, they face a possible loss of $135 million. So if they don't deal with the surplus this year, they're just asking their people to go out and eat, eat more French fries. I think that's uh, people need to do their part and have some fries. Andrew, I want to live in a country that makes it mandatory for me to eat French fries. That's where I want to live. Yes. And that is what Sports Best is about, is having a mandate to eat French fries. <laughs> Today we're joined by Coach Jim Larson. He's an athlete and a coach. He had a storied playing career where he was an all-league water polo player and swimmer at the College of Marin, and then ultimately graduated from Cal Poly. Then he was the head men's and women's swim coach at San Marin High School in Northern California for 10 years. He's currently the assistant principal at Novato High School. Among many other things, Coach Larson oversees the school's athletics. Thank you for joining us today, Coach. Uh, Andrew, so glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. Um, we like to start from the beginning. How did you first get started in competitive swimming and then water polo? Well, so I was, um, I was actually a baseball player growing up, but, it, but to some degree it was my dad's thing. <laughs> and so oh, wow. I, uh, I, I actually made the baseball team at San Marin and, uh, and swimming and baseball at the time were the same season, but made the baseball team and decided I was doing it for the wrong reason. So essentially quit baseball the day I made the season, the day I made the team and, you know, kind of broke the news to my dad who promptly said, well, you're doing something, buddy. Jim, you uh, know, swimming's an interesting sport in that, you know, when you're running, you're, you're alone, but you can at least like look at the sky and look at runners. You guys, swimmers spend so much time in the pool and you're basically looking at the bottom of the pool, I guess, less, unless you're a backstroker. Is, is training swimmers difficult just in the fact that they really don't have any peripheral vision and they're just looking down and in the water? Yeah, you know, I think as a swimmer and training swimmers, like, you know, I think all sports have their aspects that are kind of monotonous and, you know, and not that exciting. I think my experience with swimmers and as a swimmer is that you really have a lot of stuff you can focus on um, while you're swimming. And so, you know, I guess it would be the same as when you're in that zone, right? When you're in the zone running or we're in the zone playing basketball, 
you kind of have this, you get this tunnel vision, right? Where you're super motivated and you're just moving and you're just like in the groove. And I think that's true of swimming, right? So, you know, I've done a lot of running too and running can be boring as can be, right? <laughs> running on the treadmill, just running down the road. And so I think it's all about kind of focusing on the training and, and the goals that are, you know, that are present in that moment when you're training. So I think like in the last 20 years, this is particularly interesting to me. We've had the iPod and when you go running, you can listen to music, but with swimming, like, what do you think about when you're doing that? Like, are you just focusing on not drowning? Or are you met, like meditating on your day? Yeah, I still swim pretty regularly. So I, I can't speak for everybody, right? I think, you know, I think about music, right? And every once in a while you get a song stuck in your head and you're like, man, I wish I wasn't thinking about that right now. Um, <laughs> I actually, you know, I actually visualize like, uh, you know, in my role as an assistant principal, I visualize a lot of conversations that I need to have or emails that I need to compose while I'm training. But really, you know, I, I actually spend a lot of time. So most pools now you can see a pace clock while you're swimming. And so a lot of times I'm essentially just doing math about making sure I'm going the right speed or picking up my speed or dropping my speed, you know, kind of depending on what I'm doing. So I like, I'm never bored swimming. I always have like a ton of things going on in my mind, including sometimes I just have to focus on working harder in the pool. You know, I'm sure this is the case with lots of sports, but it seems more specifically with swimming that you have to start at a young age or you aren't successful. You know, you hear sports, you know, people in football picking up a football their senior year in college and getting a scholarship or whatever it may be. But it seems with swimming, you have to start early if you want to get the advantage. Is that true? So here's what I will say. LeBron, I bet LeBron James could have gone to the Olympics in swimming, <laughs> even if he started at a, huh. at a, at a later age. So uh, kind of, if you have it, you have it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, you know, I, I was not, I love swimming. I'm not a particularly good athlete, although I love athletics. I didn't start competitively swimming until I was close to 16, but I, you know, but I was tall, right? I was six, three. And you, you know, we used we joke as swim coaches, you can't teach height. I'm sure basketball coaches, you know, make the same kind of jokes, but if you're born tall, then you're, you know, more kind of can go in the right direction or you can go in a better direction with um with certain sports and so swimming if you're tall and you're strong you don't need to be that coordinated <laughs> um, yeah tim duncan famous famously was uh, a swimmer before he started playing basketball right yeah yeah i think i think that's kind of the the name that people toss out there every once in a while because he was such a famous basketball player right the thing with swimming that is unique is it's it's such an unnatural kinesthetic sense that you have to develop that that many many athletes who are swimmers start do start at a very young age for many girls who who mature more quickly than boys starting at a young age can be beneficial because you kind of reach that you know that kind of that peak point of your physical prowess younger as a girl or oftentimes younger as a girl than you do as a boy so it can be beneficial for for girls to start a little younger and boys too so from being an athlete and competing and pivoting into coaching what led you to that? I feel like sometimes people swim and coach and then transition all the way into coaching. What pulled you into coaching? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was, I think I just had great swim coaches, honestly. And, and I didn't have a lot cause I started late, but the people that I worked with that I coached were just, you know, strong, positive reinforcement type of people and, and really help you kind of achieve your best. And I think that that, you know, I think that was part of it. I mean, my dad, I should also go back and say, you know, my dad was always my coach growing up for very many years and uh, I loved him. And he kind of instilled that value of helping others and, and supporting other people. 
you know, and combined with kind of a love that I, that I developed on my own, independent of my family around swimming, you know, it just, it felt natural for me to go into coaching. You I, know, I can also say maybe there's another piece, which is I work construction and I, and I got my first swim coaching job and I was working construction during the day and then coaching in the evenings, swim coaching actually paid a little bit more for the hour. And it was, it was a lot better than humping, you know, wood and digging ditches. Hey, I love me a good drywaller. Come on, coach. Um, <laughs> hey, your your uh, signature in your email says it takes time to create excellence. It could be done quickly. More people would do it. It's from John Wooden. Yeah. You know, you work with young kids in swimming and you talked about it being a grind and having to be in the pool. How do you inspire youngsters to think about the long-term effects of how their long workouts will help them? How do you keep them inspired and wanting to go back in the pool? I think edu I think most of life actually, not just that. So not just coaching or not just education, but all aspects of life are really about relationships. And do you have positive relationships with the people that you're working with or coaching? So I think as a coach, you know, it's really, really important to develop strong relationships with your athletes and that can help keep them motivated and focused because ultimately they're going to trust you and they're going to understand that, you know, it's, it's delayed gratification, right? It's it, things aren't easy typically right off the bat. There, it it is hard work to be successful. And you know, even if we're watching, or I, my family's watching the Michael Jordan thing on ESPN right now. The I can't remember the, the last, last dance. And mm -hmm. every single one of those episodes, like the recurring theme is those guys just worked crazy hard, and and maybe they had the goal in mind to be you know fantastic basketball players and you know and make a lot of money. But I don't think those, I don't think most people who are successful are thinking, you know, I need to be a millionaire. I want to be a pro. They just want to be the best that they can be. And so I see a coach as, as really helping be the mechanism for helping people achieve their potential and then grow that potential. And that's not a, and that's not a short process. So it's hard to talk to an eight-year-old about that, although I've had that conversation. Easier to talk to kids in their teens about it. But I think that, you know, I think it's having a strong relationship as a coach and, and really talking with kids about hard work is, is how you get to where you need to be. Yeah, it seems like the delayed gratification would be hard to instill in an eight-year-old. But they get it, right? I mean, and that's the, the funny part is, like, even little kids get it. Six- or seven-year-old kids get it, right? Like, hey, you know, if you want to buy a, you know, a G.I. Joe man, you got to save up your allowance for a couple weeks. Like, that's pretty simple for kids, and that's delayed gratification, right? Don't buy a candy bar today. Buy an action figure two weeks from now. Yeah, I think that's that's something I, I definitely took away from sports is understanding that something's going to be better if you work for it. And once I've gotten out of consistent competition, it applies to every aspect of your life. Uh, have you seen your coaching apply in your in your role as, a, as an administrator, assistant principal in high school? It seems very similar to me. Yeah, I mean, my whole life is coaching. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, most, you know, from an assistant principal standpoint, a lot of it is you're coaching kids on their behavior, right? You're, you're helping them make better decisions, short and long-term decisions. So just a lot of coaching there and some, some critical conversations. Working with staff, same thing, right? Teachers need some, can often need support with how to engage with kids and how to you know, do lesson planning or how to make activities that are interesting. So obviously there's coaching there, coaching there going on too. You know, same thing, obviously, with parents, right? Like, parents need a lot of coaching and, and boundary setting, if you will, now and again. So talking with people and, and, you know, and helping parents get it. Hey, Jim, because you're a swim coach, before we get you out of here, I thought it'd be fun to ask you some questions about the most famous swimmer of all time, Michael Phelps. All you have to do is say true or false, okay? Okay. 
True or false, Michael Phelps' wingspan is longer than he actually is tall. That's true. That is true. 80 inches. Crazy. That's true. At his peak during training season, he would swim 50 miles a week. 50 miles a week. Um, I'd say true. That is true. All right. The total medal count for Michael Phelps over three Olympics is 42. Are you saying three? Because he's been to more than three Olympics and won medals in more than three Olympics, right? You're correct. I'm sorry. In all of his Olympics. All of his Olympics is 42? Yep. I'm going to say false. I think it's more than 42. It's actually less. It's 28. 28. Wow. All right. I remember reading he was he eats ten thousand calories a day when he's in training. That was always the most interesting. I want to do that. Like, give me another cheeseburger with my cheeseburger. Coach Jim Larson with Novato High School. Check out the Hornets this fall. This is Sports Best, the best of sports. Thank you again to Coach Jim Larson. If you like the show, please share it with a friend or family member so they can catch up on the best of sports. Until next week, we will be scouring the world of sports to bring you all the sports best.